0: should stir our hearts that each and every day we come to adore you. For you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it is your day, every day. And I thank you, God, that this morning you've given us this opportunity to come to worship with brothers and sisters in Christ. To worship that which we already know. That you were born. You lived amongst us. Your disciples wrote for us that. You dwelt among us. And they beheld your glory. The glory as of the only begotten Son of God. Full of grace and truth. And then they wrote those things so that our fellowship might be full. And so our fellowship this morning is with brothers and sisters but we have a unique commonality that we are brothers and sisters of Christ. The Messiah. The promised one who God, even in the beginning of time, had to plan for redemption. And it was fulfilled. And yet, Lord, we speak of another day. We long for another day that you will come. You won't come as a baby. You will come as a king. and you will call us home to be with you. And in that home, in that place, in that Father's house, there are many dwelling places. It will be Christmas every day. For you will be the center of it all. So center you will be that the word tells us that there's no need of sun nor moon nor stars because you are the bright and shining star. It will be a place of no more tears, no more sorrow, no more hurt, no more pain, no more metal hips or metal knees or metal shoulders. We're going to be brand new. Created in the very image of the one who's coming for us. We could almost sing another song. And the words go, Lord, come thou long expected Jesus. Come. And this morning we have come to adore you. To worship you, to fall before you as the shepherds did, as the kings we will see today did, and one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Both those who are in heaven and on earth And even under the earth. Yes, even our arch enemy will one day bow his knee before you and proclaim that you are God. And he is not. We have a defeated foe. And I'm glad, O Lord God, that one day heaven and earth will be filled with your presence as you rule and reign in your kingdom so so may the upcoming day known as christmas meaning christ's day may it be more than just lights and glitter May it be a determination, may Christmas be a determination to declare that every day is Christ's day. We pray, O God, this morning as we lift up to you individuals that have come across the prayer chain for us to remember. We lift up to you the Ziders' granddaughter, Isabel. Thanking you that even this morning, as I quickly peruse the the, the emails, that she's doing better. They changed the antibiotic, and they were able to downgrade her from being very serious to now, where she only needs to have oxygen mainly one hour a day. Thank you for that, God. We thank you for our dear sister Marlene. We know that tomorrow she'll be facing some tests that need to be done in order that the heart surgeon would know what he needs to do. But what he needs to do is what you'll determine he'll do. And so Lord, I pray that you would minister to Will and Marlene As they wait upon you for what seems to be a series of surgeries that Marlene needs. I thank you that she has a new heart. Thank you, Lord, that her heart was transformed from darkness to light because she trusted you. But she does have a wounded heart. And I pray, O God, that your mighty hand would touch her. And by your will and for your glory, you will use this situation to highlight your name. We got word too, Lord, from one of our missionaries, the DePews, that Larry and Linda, their grandson, had a neck injury when he was in school. And right now he's suited with a, a halo and screws to keep his neck stable. And I pray, God, that you would touch his neck. Surgery might be imminent, we don't know. But I'm glad that you know. And I pray, God, that if that is the path that this young man needs to take, then... He will look to you for strength and his parents will look to you for peace that passes all understanding that will guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We come to your word, Lord, and it's a passage that over history has Taken on a, a, a different viewpoint. Well, we're going to come at it from your viewpoint, God. And I pray that though it may be familiar to us, I ask, Lord, that you would teach us something new out of it. So that which we lack, I pray, O oh God, that you will provide. That which we do not know or understand, I pray that you would give us clarity. And that which we need the most for our life, I pray, O God, that you would implant it in our souls. For it is by your name and through your name, and for your name, we ask these things. Amen. There are only two of the Gospels that give to us a detailed account of the birth of Jesus Christ. That's Matthew and Luke. The Gospel of John focuses mainly upon the three and a half years of Jesus' ministry on this earth. The Gospel of Mark portrays Jesus Christ as a perfect slave. And so if you're a slave, not much is written about you. That's why Mark's book is the shortest. But it's the earliest. In fact, if you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke you will find out that many of their accounts of the life of Jesus are similar. So that's why they call it the Synoptic Gospels. They're the same in many aspects. In Matthew chapter 1, what was highlighted about two weeks ago was the fact that an angel appeared to Joseph. To tell him of something miraculous that was coming. In Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel, though we do not know which angel it was that appeared to, to Joseph, we are told that the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and gave her the same information. Something miraculous is going to happen. And then in chapter 2 of last week, and Terry made mention of it in his opening comments, that the miracle happened. And Jesus was born. He was wrapped in cloth. And he was laid in the manger. And shepherds showed up because the angels showed up. And the shepherds came to see Jesus. And it changed them forever. They couldn't keep quiet. But in Matthew chapter 2, we we have the last, if you will, the last piece of the puzzle. It's like putting together a jigsaw puzzle. And when you find that last piece and you put it in there, you sit back and you go, "Ah, it's done. The last piece of the puzzle is Matthew chapter 2. Again, it is a narrative that deals with the birth of Jesus Christ because it begins by saying, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to, what everybody? Worship him. Worship him. Matthew chapter 2, the first 12 verses is about worshiping the newborn king. But I want to twist it just a little bit. I'm I'm not going to adulterate the text in any way. But I want to twist it a little bit because we have to stay with our theme. The peace of Christmas. Not the peace of pie, but the peace. P-E-A-C-E. And this morning, I want to give you four things that I see in this text that describe the peace of God's provision. The peace of God's provision. What's interesting is you'll know something that's omitted in the text. It's not there. It doesn't say how many kings came. All it does say is wise men came. There could have been more than three. And quite frankly, I believe there were. Because these individuals were important. Important. They came from the realm of what we would call in that particular time Persia. Persia took over the Babylonian Empire. And what we know about that takeover is recorded for us in the book of Daniel. Now what's interesting about the book of Daniel is it set the foundation for the kings to come. For it was Daniel and his writings, it was Daniel and his ministry to at least three and maybe four different kingdoms. Daniel had one message. And the message was about God. Now even before we get going, that brings us to this question. What's your message? What message do you have of life? It doesn't matter where you are. Daniel was, taking, was taken from the southern kingdom of Judah. The Babylonians came in and ransacked Judah and hauled them all off to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar was the king at that time. So we do know, at least from the book of Daniel, that Daniel ministered to Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians. He ministered to Darius, who was a Mede. And he also ministered to the Persian king, Artaxerxes. And in each of his ministries, each one of those kings came to the same realization that Daniel was saying, God is the God of gods, and you're not. That was his message. Now these kings, in the Greek it's really magi, they would have been stargazers. They would have been employed in the realm of searching the stars. And they came upon one that they never saw before. There are a number of speculations as to what they saw. Some astrologers say that it was an alignment of Jupiter and Mars. I think probably they listened to the, that song by the... Uh, well, it's called the age of Aquarius, you know. When Jupiter and Mars align, to, never mind, anyway. <laughs> or they said it was, could have been a huge comet. A number of other things they've proposed, but let me tell you what I think it was. It was the creative power of our God that he put a star there. He wanted to direct these men to the one whom they would find all the answers. In fact, I did some research about this thing of stargazing. Uh, Let me give you a little bit. It's that back in 1990, there was through a joint um, adventure, if you will, of scientists and engineers that they created what is known as the Hubble Telescope. It was launched in 1990. The finished product cost 1.5 billion, that's a B, dollars to make. Since that time, it's cost over 10 billion to maintain it and keep it doing what it's doing. I don't know if you know this or not, but in the year 2020, which is just about coming upon us, there's going to be another telescope that's going to be launched. This particular telescope is called the William Herschel Telescope. To build it and maintain it is going to cost over 100 times more than the Hubble Telescope. What was interesting though, as I went on NASA's website and there was an article that was highlighted from 2018, that's just last year. And the purpose of the Hubble telescope and the one that's coming is this. It was to finally answer the question, how was all the stars of the universe made? Literally, in other words, how did we all get here? I could have sent them a Bible (laughs) that would have saved us a whole lot of tax dollars. Can I get an amen from the congregation? And the first verse of the first page answers the question. In the beginning, what everybody? God. <laughs> <That's too easy. laughs> I'm finding it takes a whole lot more faith to be an atheist than it does to believe in God. I've got 14 minutes to finish a half-hour sermon. Can I get an amen from the congregation? Huh? <laughs> That's what y'all hoping. Especially the ones in the nursery. <laughs> I want to start with God provided the way of a, if you will, of a sign. In his provision, he gave a sign. And the sign was a star. A glorious star. It was never done before. And it will never happen again. Because the next announcement of the coming of Jesus is not a star, it's a trumpet. <laughs> I and mean, I can't wait. But these individuals needed a star. to, In order that they could travel miles to see a king. You know that there are, is only one way to heaven. And that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus himself even said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. But I would guarantee if we took a just a few moments this morning and asked each one of you, how was it that you came to trust Jesus? There are many different ways to get to Jesus. Some of you came to Jesus by your mom and your dad. Some of you came to Jesus through vacation Bible school. Some of you came to Jesus through Sunday school. Some of you came to Jesus in your car when all of a sudden something just hit you. These individuals needed a star. And they came. They didn't come alone. Magi of this particular situation had an army with them for protection. They loaded up the the C-150 camels and began their journey. They weren't satisfied until it says in the text, For we have seen his star in the east, And we've come to worship him. That was their destination. To worship. Why did you come this morning? Did you come because it's just what we do on Sunday? Or did you come with the expectation to worship the king? Because worship costs us. It costs us time. The ultimate is it costs us our life. Paul said, present yourselves a living sacrifice. Holy unto God, which is your reasonable service of worship. It costs us. And it's not a bad price to pay, dear people, because... Jesus Christ paid it all. And all to him I owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. They came to worship. The second thing that that God provided is this. God provided the way through scripture. God provided the way through scripture. The text doesn't relate it to us, but I kind of think as the, as the Magi were coming into Jerusalem, that's where they went. They began asking people of the town, where is he? Where's he who's born king of the Jews? Where's he at? News got to Herod. Herod got troubled. And he called for his chief priests and his scribes. And he said, okay. Now you got to catch this. The magi are asking for a king. What did Herod ask for? Where is the Christ born? That's not there by... By, by accident. That's not there by accident. First of all, Herod was very paranoid. In fact, he had his wife and his two favorite sons killed because he was afraid that they were going to take his kingdom. He wasn't a nice man. He was a heavy taxation. But there were some things that He did accomplish that in the annals of history are highlighted about him. He was a fantastic builder. He was an architect. And he had things built that to this day still stand. His rule ended in 4 B.C. So at least we know that Jesus Christ was born prior to 4 B.C. Many believe that Jesus was born at least maybe between... 2 B.C. and 3 B.C. in that that particular realm. All we know is that Jesus was born during his reign. And he didn't like it. And when he asked his scribes and his chief priests, where is the Christ to be born? The reply was Micah chapter 5 verse 2. And it's recorded here for us. Verse 6, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Another aspect of this sermon could have been there are four characters in this passage. Two of them had no interest in seeing Jesus. They had information about him, but they weren't weren't wanting to take the journey. And don't you find that interesting? People have got information about Jesus, but they're not willing to take the journey to meet him. Even when Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, my burden is light. Cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. And yet they know information about Jesus, but they're not interested in finding the one for whom the word is written about, the king. God provided a star, a sign. God provided the scriptures. And thirdly, God provided through sharing. And there are gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You can do those interesting studies of those particular elements. And and you'll find a number of different uh, ideas as to what they are. But I found out that gold is what you offer a king. Solomon... When he was on this earth, when he was ruling, and at that time, the mightiest nation of all, which was the nation of Israel, other nations brought him gold. They wanted his favor. They recognized him as king. And frankincense on the other side was, is a, it's a pure white powder. And it was used in the temple in the holy place in the morning and the evening, as the priest went into the holy place, not the holy holy, the holy place. And as they were trimming the, the lamp, the oil lamp that was to continually burn, represents the very presence of Jesus Christ, the presence of God. What they would do is they would put incense on the incense table and burn it. And it was a white powder, frankincense. And there it was to be burned because it was to be evident of both a priestly office and also a pure life. And the myrrh, which is kind of interesting, was a fragrance that was used for the embalming of the dead. They would wrap the individual... With, with myrrh inside of the cloth that they would wrap the bodies with and it was for the purpose of as Mary and Martha says he surely stinketh it, 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 was, it was something to be there to uh, be with the dead and Jesus Christ fulfills all of those three But what's amazing about it is later on in the text, God warns Joseph, get up and get out of here. Because Herod's going to seek the young child. God showed up with provisions for a journey that Mary and Joseph didn't ever think they would have to take. How often has God met your needs in ways that you can't even begin to imagine? It's an amazing thing that God provides by sharing. And lastly, God provided a way through speaking. He told the wise men, don't go back to Herod. Go home another way. Now, if I had about 15 more minutes, I would just just camp on that for a while. But I don't got the time, and you don't have the patience. But I will share this, that when you come to Jesus, you leave totally different. The old way is no longer your way. The old life is no longer your life. And when God said to these these wise men, do not go back and see Herod. In fact, don't even go back through Jerusalem. Go a whole nother way. Dear people, we're about to go a whole nother way. A way that we don't even recognize at this time. But when that trumpet blows, I'm out of here. I'm going home. And then God spoke to Joseph. Get up, take Mary and the child, and head to Egypt. Why did he have to go to Egypt? Because to fulfill the scriptures, which says, out of Egypt, I called my son. Jesus was the perfect embodiment of the fulfillment of all scripture. And why not? He is the word. And the word became fleshed and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. The wonder of God's provision, I want to close with just two thoughts, two thoughts for you. First of all, is in order for you to go where God wants to take you, you've got to be willing to let go of where you are. In order to go where God wants to take you, you've got to be willing to let go of where you are. When the wise men were heading east, or heading west to see Jesus, to see the king, they had to forsake everything that was comfortable to them in order to find the comfort giver in Christ Jesus. The second thing is this. In order to properly worship Christ, it's this. You must transfer all that you have and all that you are to all that he is. You must transfer all that you have and all that you are to all that He is. We saw it in the shepherds. We see it in the wise men. Written for us in the text. I come back. What is your message? What are you writing about this Christmas season? Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for your word. And the realization that both the shepherds from last week and the wise men from this week are witnesses of what it is to come to you. The invitation is wide open. The opportunity is wide open. We may not see a star, but we have the scriptures. We, not, we may not be from high royalty, but we're created in your image. And all you want for us is to come meet the Savior, for he's the king. And So God, I pray that this day, this season of Christ's day, will not go unnoticed of who Jesus Christ really is. And I pray, oh God, that your word But find good soil to plant itself and grow even from this morning. And may you be honored. And we'll praise you in your name. Amen.